Have you ever had a child who emotionally struggled, has lack of confidence, or is afraid of standing up in front of the classroom? Well, this podcast, we are going to look at exactly these things with Tamara Handley and Sarah Appleby from Tribe Within, where we look at children's confident mental strength. So how about we jump directly in? So what can we do if children struggle? When they're struggling, it's making sure that they're focusing on the right things. I'm going to use an example. So my daughter has really struggled with bullying over the years. And this is one of the driving factors behind me really wanting to make this business a success. She started being bullied at quite a young age by a child who had the perfect sister. And I'm going to characterize it now. Her sister's not perfect. Nobody is. And I believe that this child has a deep-seated unhappiness. But unfortunately, she started bullying Bella. But it's, well, how do I help Bella recognize that there is the bully and what is driving their behavior and who is the bullied, i.e. her? And how can she possibly change the situation around her because she there's only so much that she can control? So for me, it was a matter of finding a way to change her focus around the situation of where she was being bullied. So giving her the sense of, yes, I'm here to protect you. Yes, I'm here to help you through the situation. But how can you deal with this in a way that is going to give you a long-term strategy, not a short-term strategy? And I've watched as various parents deal with these situations in very different ways. Now, you've got the mom who feels that her child is being bullied and, and the world is unjust, but who, who will go in very aggressively and try and protect her child from everything. And that's not giving her child the skills to know how to deal with things later because now she's just defending her and, and protecting her from everything. Then you've got the mom who puts her head in the sand and says, I don't know how to deal with this, so I'm just not going to deal with it at all. And then you've got, you know, perhaps the other one who feels, well, maybe my child is you know, wrong or has done something wrong to encourage this kind of behavior. But actually, nobody's wrong and nobody's right. It's, it's how do we teach in all of these situations to make sure that each person is being looked after. So for Isabella, it was, you know, a matter of saying, well, in your whole life, you are going to come up with, you're going to find bullies. They're not just children. They are grown-ups too and their behaviors will change and they may not be as as blatant as what you see but you know this is going to happen so how do you what can you do to make things a little bit different that is such an interesting question what can you do to make things a little different so let's stick to that for a moment what do you believe that we as parents should know the thing is that parents want to have a great relationship with their child and help their child live life on their own terms with with confidence and, and a feeling of fulfillment. To start off, the most fundamental thing a parent needs to know is that their child's brain is not even fully formed. So the way that the brain develops is uh, first the memory portion of the brain is developed, then the emotional portion of the brain is developed, and then the logical mind is developed. So when a child is born, it does not have all of these parts functioning. And the last part to develop is the logical mind, 10 years and on up. So it's really important for adults to understand that the go-to part of a child's brain is the part that is fully developed, which is memory and emotion. But it really is quite simple. It's about understanding.
understanding that you have to feed the right memories to your child and you have to manage their emotions and then that will start to help them develop good habits. If you mean feeding the right memories and emotions, how does that specifically look like? That's a great question. You know, I think a lot of us were brought up in the era of, um, you know, say something and it's a positive mantra. You know, like, oh, you are great, you are great, you are great. And, the, and those are wonderful things to do. But is it enough? No, it's not enough. Because as much as you say something, it's not about what you say, it's what you do that teaches more. So it comes out in our behavior. And so if I look at what really moves the dial in terms of my daughter's self-belief and her progress in being mentally healthy, it is modeling me. So if I am constantly, first of all, looking after myself and making sure that I am healthy, it becomes a lot easier for the child to then mimic that environment. <laughs> I totally agree. If I look how my daughter, you know, takes whatever I say, do, even the questions I ask her and literally turns them around and asks them back to me, even a half a year later, you really see the power of what power we have as parents where, you know, we still bring our values, our belief systems into the children. So where should we start? There are many answers to that question. Well, what's your child like? Why do they have a lack of confidence? Why are they being bullied, do you think? Are they actually being bullied or do they actually just have anxiety that nobody likes them? What's happening? It's about asking questions so you get to the information. I completely agree on you. And I know I heard in one of your courses a really great story demonstrating it with reframing questions. So could you share the story with your son, how you literally use this, the power of reframing questions? My son, who is now 10, uh, came home from school one day and he was just absolutely crying his eyes out. And I, I couldn't even get a word out of him edgewise. He was so upset. I thought, oh my gosh, something seriously bad has happened. Well, actually, in the end, it turned out that he got a really low score on his spelling test and um, that he had to retake the test. But, um, I, you know, I could have very easily in the circumstances, don't worry, honey, you'll do a great job, or you're really smart, or let's try again. But actually, you know, I thought, well, why don't, why don't we use this opportunity to ask some questions and see if he can get there himself? So I said to him, I said, okay, well, um, you know, let me ask you a few questions. So she's asked you to retake this test, right? Yes, yes, she has. Okay, do you think that she would... Uh, ask you to retake the test if she didn't think you were capable of doing better. So she thought that you were going to do equally as bad or worse when she asked you to retake the test. Is that the kind of person she is? And of course, he answered no. Um, I said, okay, all right, so that's interesting. And then I said, well, okay, um, do you think that if you study and try a bit harder, do you think that you can do better? And he said, well, yes, I do. Okay, so let me ask you another question. Do you think that it's a good thing that your teacher believes you can do better and that you believe you can do better? Well, yes, that is a really good thing. That's a good thing. 
I said, great. So it seems like today you've discovered your teacher believes in you and you believe in yourself. Is that right? Yes, I do. So I could have said that at the beginning of the conversation. I believe in you, Zabby. I believe in you. You could do better. But I, I didn't. I helped him draw his own conclusion. And he really nailed it after that and, and applied himself because he came up with the thought himself in some way. So um, sometimes asking questions are, is better than putting the thought there. I mean, look, parenting is really tricky. If you're not growing as well to kind of learn how to ask those questions within yourself, how can you ask them of your child? I see this all the time, and I even do this as well, where my child says, oh, yeah, everybody hates me. Well, no, they don't. No, they don't. Everybody loves you. I love you. you know, do we really think that that is, a, is that a positive mantra? Is that solving anything? Not at all. We have to ask questions. We have to get to the core of who our children, you know, who our child is. I think that it's just really good to ask, how do they feel that way? Why do they feel that way? How do they see that situation? Obviously, we need to tell our kids we love them and all that kind of stuff, but reframing questions can be a great way to feed the parrot, which is uh, what we call the memory. That's a great example of a reframe. Now, tell me how your concept with the parrot and the tribe relates to what at the moment is the growth and the fixed mindset. Once they learned about the wolf and the parrot and the chief and the fact that it might be an emotion or it might be a memory or it might really be who they are <laughs> and a logical thought, they were starting to able to see whether or not they had a growth or fixed mindset. So um, my middle child is eight, and she actually had done growth mindset activities in school. I challenged her to talk about growth and fixed mindset. She couldn't do it. And recently, since going through the parent wolf and chief, she came home and was absolutely able to see the fixed mindset because I said that fixed mindset is your wolf and your parent. See, most people just go, well, it's just this big squiggly mess, and we know that it you know, has a lot of power. But from a psychological perspective, they actually separate the brain into seven separate sections. And I'm not going to go into all seven, but essentially there are three, very simplistically, that will drive the ultimate behavior, the choices that we make in life. And so those are the, the frontal part of our brains. And actually that, when you're in an accident and your frontal lobe is, is, is damaged, is you'll essentially see the person changing. And that is because the frontal lobe and what we call the cheek is the most human part of your brain. And in fact, this is where the, what we would call the true you resides. So your dreams, your hopes, your, your um, you know, the, the, the love that you want, all of those wonderful things is actually residing in the frontal lobe. Um, and in fact, the psychological mind will often tell you that this is the most human part of your brain. Then you've got the limbic um, part of your brain. So that is where emotion resides. And this is an incredibly important piece of your brain because this is actually what keeps you alive. It's what we would call your wolf. And the reason we call it a wolf and, you know, we wanted to make something that kids could really understand is if you have a look at the behavior of a wolf in the wild, it will do one of three things. It's based in any situation. It will choose to either fight take flight or freeze. So if it is faced with another wolf and that wolf is, you know, um, 
threatening its territory, perhaps it will fight. Um, if it feels that it's in a situation that is too much for it and it doesn't know how to deal with it and it knows that it's in danger and it recognizes that the best thing for it to do is to run away, it will flee. And sometimes it will find itself in a situation where it actually doesn't know what to do and it's feeling overwhelmed and therefore it will freeze. And all of us can say, you know, with 100% accuracy that we have got one of those that will be more, will be more prone to using that. So if I'm under a lot of stress, I will tend to freeze. I will tend to sit there and not really know what to do right now. Whereas if I'm in a different situation and somebody is threatening perhaps my my child or my life or something like that, I'll probably stand up and fight. Um, so there's, there's all ways that we will naturally fall into these emotional uh, behaviors. And the, the third part of our psychological mind that is very important for us and, and what, why, why we brought it into the course is the parietal part of your brain. And this is really what comes out of your environment. And that is, it actually is probably one of the most interesting parts of the brain because it shows you that absolutely everything that happens in your life is recorded by your brain. You may not access it all the time, you may choose to forget it, but it's actually all sitting there. Um, and this is where your beliefs come from, it's your environment, it's value systems, it's um, your memories that get made within this part of your brain. And we would call this your parrot, because if you have a look at a parrot in, you know, in the wild, a parrot can absorb all this information and it can feed it back, but it doesn't have any emotion about it, it doesn't feel whether what it's saying is right or not, it's something it hears a tweet, it'll, re it'll give that same tweet back, you know, almost as if it's a recording, but it doesn't feel whether or not that tweet is a good tweet or a bad tweet. Um, and so for us, making these characters of the brain character related helps the children to understand what their behavior is about so that they can really very easily go like, Oh, okay. Um, I'm just recognizing that that's a memory. Okay, that's my parrot. Therefore, I don't have an emotional attachment to this that's happened. It's actually just a memory that's come up. Um, and for us, understanding the way your brain works was fundamental to helping children live fuller lives because we kind of feel like in our lifetime we use the wolf, the parrot, and the chief every single day between myself and Bella. Um, and one of those things is for me that I I really hate being late. Bella actually, she did. She woke up, she was in a bit of a, a slump. She wasn't feeling altogether, you know, fantastic because she probably hadn't had enough sleep or whatever it might have been. And so she woke up feeling a little bit grumpy. And I was really feeling, you know, a, a bit stressed because I was sort of, like looking around the house and it was really messy. Now, if I look at like what what, what is a messy house going to do to the world? It's not going to do anything. But somewhere along the line, my parent was taught that it needs to have a neat house. And so I am now pushing this parent principle down onto my daughter because, well, it has to be neat. And before we leave the house, which has to be on time, the house has to be neat. So I'm now pushing my parent principles onto her. Um, which is, you know, my wolf is coming to play because now I'm feeling anxious. So my wolf is getting, you know, really growly and I'm starting to get, you know, anxious with her and we're starting to, to bicker at each other. 
And it's at that point where I can go, actually, I set the pace. I am the parent here and I have the most um, control of bringing my chief out to play. And so <laughs> I really do need to get control of the situation. And so then it's a matter of me changing my focus, me saying, okay, chief, you need to be in charge here. You need to make sure that the wolf is feeling okay, that the parrot is actually kept quiet. And we really look at, does this make a difference? So parrot, does the house really need to be tidied up or can it be tidied up when Bella comes home this afternoon? Yes. Okay. Well, actually, that's fine. So now all of a sudden the wolf is thinking, okay, the parrot's not telling me that it has to be tidy, so I can calm down now. And then the chief can come in and say, like, actually, we do need to be on time because otherwise the day is going to be ruined. So being on time is actually important. Having a clean house is not important, and therefore we need to live in that moment. And from then we got into the car, and Bella was still feeling and I just thought, you know, I have to help her change her state. And for me, one of those things is being silly. So I turned on some music and we have this thing where, you know, I say to her, just smile, but you're not allowed to actually smile. You can smile. And you have to like make sure your teeth are really big and your mouth is really big. And we look like total dorks when we do this, of course. And that makes each other laugh. And that breaks our state and puts us into a complete different mindset and then I turn around to Bella and I say to her oh my parent was saying the house really needs to be clean but actually the most important thing for us is that we have a good start to our day but we're also on time so that either of us is late and we don't get in trouble with the rest of the world um, but let's tidy it up when we get back because it does make me feel better then my wolf won't come out to play and she's she's like feeling like okay this is cool I can I can do that because right now you haven't pushed your agenda on me. You've given me a chance to come back and help you. Um, and you've asked me to help you keep your wolf under control. And I like doing that because when your wolf comes out, we tend to fight. So she's already feeling like she's on side with me. Um, and we're in this together. That's such a nice story. And I just want to hook one more thing that I found really interested is what you said with changing your state. I mean, you just described the perfect way of changing a child's state. So, for example, getting in the car or even at home, right, putting on the music and dancing like crazy with our children, because then we notice in ourselves that suddenly we become happy. I think a lot of parents sometimes forget that that already changes a whole lot. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Um, it's so, so critical. One of the wonderful things about being a child is that they have the ability to flick between emotions in a split second. <laughs> Uh, and it's frustrating as a parent because, you know, you'll have a happy child one minute and the next they're on the floor and they're screaming. <laughs> yeah, but it goes both ways, right? Yeah, on yeah, the other correct. side, you can change them in one second. <laughs> correct. Um, and it's like we actually as parents have become almost too controlled in the sense that we, well, we want to hold on to our resentment or we want to hold on to our anger or we want to hold on to whatever it is that we're feeling in that moment. But sometimes it is a matter of like recognizing that we have the ability to influence the, the temperature in the room. So if we choose to continue with that battle, um, then it will continue because we will be that deciding factor. But you asked what is changing your state and it's as simple as it is changing their focus. It is literally just being able to switch their, their, their thinking from one thing to another, um, which they do really easily, but we can also control that. So 
I want to go back to the bullying story, Bella being bullied. Um, and I think for me, because it's happened a few times in different ways, but for me, when Bella has been in those situations, and particularly when she was young, because obviously that is when it's, you know, they don't have the ability to really, you know, think about the logic here, um, and they don't have the ability to be very outward focused, but is to give them the right questions to enable them, you know, you facilitate that outward focused look. So when Bella was being bullied, it was a matter of, first of all, obviously making sure that she understands that I love her, I'm here to protect her, and she is safe, and that I believe her, because that is one of the most important things when your child is in an emotional situation like that, is feeling that their parents, that their carers have got their back. So, you know, saying, I'm very sorry that you've been through the situation, it's awful, and I'm, I'm I'm sad that you've had to be in this situation. Could we maybe for a minute think about why that person would have been behaving that way? Do you know if there's anything happening in their life right now? Um, had they just come out of a, a class where you know, maybe they were struggling? And it's not excusing their behavior, but what it is, is, is it's building a bigger view. It's building a big picture view of, Perhaps there is another reason why this person was behaving that way. And what that does is it doesn't then shift the blame, but what it does is it actually helps your child who's been in the situation. And I, I'm going to use the word, and I'm using the word very difficult there, is, is victim, because obviously there is no victim. But the person who's been bullying is re bullied realizes that it was nothing that they did. They did not deserve this. They did not bring this on. That there is a bigger, there is a bigger, you know, story behind this. That each person has their story, and they're coming into an environment, and this person is reacting to them in a certain way. So saying to Bella, like, what do you think could have happened with this person that caused them to behave this way, um, enables her to take herself out of the situation and look at it from a bigger perspective. Um, and then also builds up their confidence to know that it wasn't them that actually caused this, but how can they influence that environment? And for me, that became a very important thing was teaching Isabella, you know, the two sides of things. Like there's the you and how you need to thrive and survive. Um, and then there is the environment. And how can you influence your environment to know that you can deal with anything that comes your way? So recognizing that in that situation, your wolf is coming up because you want to protect yourself or you want to run away or you want to hide. Um, but that person's wolf is also reacting. Mm -hmm. That person's wolf is fighting. Other people also have wolves and parents. <laughs> and once a child is able to recognize that within themselves, as you can see that Mara was able to kind of quite expertly point out that other people, it may not be the true them either. That's quite possibly the, the bully is quite possibly not in their chief mode either. There's a very good chance that person's operating as a wolf or a parrot and, and out of their wolf or their parrot, part of their brain. And kids that go through our course, it's almost like um, it, it creates that distance, like Tamara said, you know, it kind of takes them out, it allows them to take a step back and go, Okay, so that person didn't necessarily actively decide to dislike or hate me. It's just their wolf or it's just their parent. I find it beautiful how you 
literally stated that the first thing is literally that you show that you respect them highly and that you're kind of on their side and that you understand them. But on the other side, you make them grow their empathy by literally asking, how is it for the other person? Uh, what else could this mean? Why being reflective so important? I'm so glad that you brought this up because it is an absolutely critical skill, the kind of imagery visualization type of skill to, to give this gift to your child is huge. So I just wanted to kind of take a step back a little bit from our course of what exactly we do and kind of just talk a little bit about how this plays out in life in general. And a great example of where guided imagery has been proven such a strong thing when it comes to achievements in life um, is in the sports realm. So um, there are quite a few experiments, experiments going back you know, probably in the 80s was when it really, really took off kind of trying to understand is visualization, is reflection, is the thought process really, really impactful to athletes. So there have been studies from, you know, practicing free throws with imagery, uh, guided imagery and without, or one of the ones I really loved was um, that uh, in one study, they put electrodes on an athlete whilst they were imagining themselves winning a race and then also when they were physically doing that race and the brain fired off in exactly the same way so the reason the reflection process is so incredibly critical to achieving your goals and living a fulfilled life or whatever that means to you is that your brain has no difference between the actual outcome and you imagining an outcome the same thing happens in your brain when you imagine it and when you actually do it so um, I want to give a little story here as well, because it just recently happened, and Tamar and I were laughing that it recently happened, and we saw this question, Geraldine, because, um, so just on Friday, Xavier uh, had this poetry competition, but at the earlier in the week, uh, he came to me, and he was just absolutely this. He hates, this is my 10-year-old, hates being in front of people. He just despises it. He does not feel comfortable in front of a crowd at all. Um, and he hasn't really studied the poem. Big Sports that we have right now is called the Hijack High Five. First, you need to calm down your body. So I said, okay, Zabi, this is what you need to do every day, as many times a day as possible before you do the poem Friday. First, you need to breathe. So um, we talk about balloon breathing, um, where a child imagines a balloon inside of their body that they imagine the balloon going out and getting big and holding it for three seconds, and then the balloon goes out. So I said, you're going to do that five times. So okay, Sabi, you're going to do that five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I do next? And the next thing that you're going to do, um, and there are multiple ways of doing this, but in Hijack High Five, we say you're going to take a scenario that you're grateful for, that you're happy for, a wonderful time that you remember. might be being on a beach. It might be getting a dog at Christmas or whatever it might be. And you're going to go through your five senses and find things from your five senses. Okay, so once you've done something like this, um, you know that the body is prepared to visualize. And it's really important to understand this. And, and when, you, when athletes do guided imagery, they do this when you do a meditation or priming or any other things that you might have experienced, Geraldine, or other adults that are listening. Um, it's really important to practice the body um, so that it is prepared to actually visualize. So you have to kind of allow those 
stress hormones to release and get processed and, and go through all those. And breathing and putting yourself in a state of gratitude um, are proven to actually help reduce the cortisol and stress hormones and adrenaline and to also regulate the heart heartbeat. So I said to him, all right, first you're going to breathe, then you're going to be grateful. Okay? And then next what we're going to do, Zabby, is I want you to imagine that you are in front of your class and you have just finished the poem and you did an amazing job. You got all the lines right and you look over at your teacher and she looks really proud and like really smashing. And you're going to go back to your seat and you're going to sit in your chair and you're going to say in your head, you're going to say, great job, Zab, you smashed it. Okay, so I said every day until Friday you're going to do this, and of course you're going to study your lines. All he wanted to do was to be able to say this poem without messing up his lines in front of his class. Well, he did it every day at least once because I did it guided with him once. He told me he did it at that time as well. And on Friday after school, I picked him up, and he had won the poetry competition because, <laughs> much to his chagrin, funny enough, but that's yeah. another note because of course the time he went on to to read the poem in front of more people. But anyway, I thought this was amazing. And that's not what he wanted to do. Actually, not forget his mind, but in that visualization, he actually had done a really good job, didn't he? Smashed it, right? And so he came home and said, I've won. And so here I took this child from, um, you know, being so nervous, I thought he was going to wet his pants, to winning the poetry competition. And he actually said, I'm so glad I did that, um, that, you know, t technique with you, mom. uses <laughs> 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 all these strategies with you, mom, because I didn't feel nervous either. Visualization is absolutely critical to achieving goals, feeling calm, and keeping your focus on track. So that is down, that is also in order to change your state. But I think that's a really uh, a funny little story that just recently happened that just shows how powerful the reflection process is, visualization process it is. Yeah, and I think, you know, from a, from a course perspective, uh, it's incredibly important for us to make sure that, you know, we're not just teaching this, the, the information we're not just giving the knowledge but we're actually giving the tools for them to be able to use it going forward in life and the point where that actually happens for you is when you can actually take a lesson and look for something in your life today and apply it and so that's why our courses also have missions attached to them so that they can go and they can reflect on the learning and then actually implement it in a very real way that they can actually get the practice. And a lot of our missions are based on doing something every single day so that they can start to create those habits. Um, again, you know, I'm going to use the analogy of gym and health is you can't just go gym once and go like, oh, now I've got the most amazing body and I can eat whatever I want. I can, you know, <laughs> never work out again if only that was true. You have to do it every single day. So for us, it's like not only just a matter of them being able to take the knowledge and apply it and reflect on it, but actually creating those habits. Um, and these are all, if you look at all of the successes out there, we're not just, you know, when I say success, I don't mean, you know, people that have made it monetarily wise but if you look at all the leaders of the world the thing that they will talk about is that they have routines that they have habits that they do things regularly and like you said 
in this Harvard um, course that you went on was reflection was one of the key um, you know, elements of this. And so most of our missions are based on looking at what did I do today? How did I do it? You know, and if I can just come back to the course where we talk about the wolf, that's like one of the most um, easiest ways of looking at it is if I can actually look back on the day and go, where did I allow the wolf to take charge? Because it's so quick, right? Uh, where did I allow that wolf to take charge? And how can I how can I anticipate it next time so that I can change it? Because there are always going to be things in my life that will make me feel stressed. You know, I spoke about it earlier on. Having an untidy house makes me feel stressed. It makes my wolf come out. So how can I prepare myself for that? Well, you know, I can perhaps get up slightly earlier enough, or I can lower my expectations, I can do all these things. But what it does is it actually makes me stronger and it makes my, it gives my chief more control in saying, I know the wolf is going to react there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have these strategies to prevent it from completely upsetting my day. So if you parents want to build unshakable family bonds and build your children's confidence, then go to their page, tribewithin.co. Dot UK, go over to their course. There's also a free course to start into or go into their masterminds and you will highly learn a lot. It will help you. I did it and I did it with my child. So I highly recommend it. So thank you so much to you Charlie, guys. I for coming. to say, I'm, I'm really grateful that we've had this opportunity to meet and I'm, and I'm really, you know, pleased for, for all of us who really want to know can, can, do we really have the ability to change our lives, our kids' lives? And, and the answer is yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here.